Hey, this is Matt Markin, and welcome to episode 58 of the Adventures in Advising podcast. This special edition episode is part of Nakata's Global Advising Week. Dr. Melinda Anderson joins me as we interview her undergraduate advisor, Alicia Oroche. Of course, please show this podcast some love and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook at Advising Podcast and YouTube at Adventures in Advising. Now, here we go with episode 58. Welcome back to one of the episodes we look forward to the most every year, and that is our special episode for Nakata's Global Advising Week. This is now the third year that the Adventures in Advising podcast gets to be part of Global Advising Week, which is a pretty awesome feeling. And joining me for this episode is returning guest host, Dr. Melinda Anderson, Executive Director of Nakata. Melinda, you have been traveling all over these past few months. How are things going? Oh, Matt, it is always so good to be in the studio, in the space with you. Uh, but yes, I've been um, at five regional conferences, no, six total, um, you know, starting in, well, Connecticut was region one, and then two was Norfolk, uh, Virginia, three was um, Knoxville, uh, Tennessee, four was in Atlanta, um, and Seven was in Lawrence, which is only an hour from, you know, the little apple in uh, Manhattan, Kansas. And so it has just been wonderful to see members coming back together. Um, you know, just that space and that energy that you get when you're around people, you know. And so everybody's just been so happy that the regional conferences have been um, back. And I really loved seeing you in person when I was at Region 9. And so when I think about, and that was my first time um, being out there in Cali. And so when I think about just the ability to travel and and hear from the members directly about what they're going through on their campuses, um, meeting new faces to Nakata. There was a lot of people I would ask in the um, when I was doing a keynote, I would say, how many people, this is your first Nakata conference. And it was like over half the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would ask, oh, how many people are new members? And it was always generally like around one third or almost a half of the room. And so when you think about what this association means to our profession, to the field, to the work that we're doing on our campuses, especially, you know, um, after the pandemic, as the people are returning um, to different operations and, and wanting new ideas and, and sharing best practices. It's just been wonderful to be able to travel and, and to see everybody in person. Yeah, it was great to see you. I hope you definitely had an enjoyable time, not only at the conference, but just also exploring Southern California because it is so beautiful. Weather is always great. So it was nice having you. Also to be our keynote at that conference. And thank you so yes. much for that. Yes. No, that was that was great. And I just want to thank the committees, all those who've asked me to keynote. It has just been I've been honored to come and, and to share a message of compassion, um, commitment to the field and to the work that they're doing, but then also to acknowledge and to celebrate them and to show appreciation for the work that's been been happening on their campuses and um, yes, Orange County was amazing exploring. Um, and uh, just thank you so much for, for being such an amazing host. And I almost bought a house. Remember, I was thinking <laughs> right. as we were sitting there eating dinner, I was like, I have to move to California because this is amazing. So thank you so much for hosting us. Yeah, no problem. And 
you know, you've been going to all these conferences, you have more regional conferences that you're going to be going to, like, what was your goal in, in wanting to go to all these region conferences? And, you know, and, and for you, you know, you talked a little bit about what it's meant, you know, with the new members, but anything else you want to add to that? Sure. You know, I, I really love your, your question. It's my goal was, you know, coming into this position, you know, I started in July last year, um, started with the annual conference, but then, you know, the regions, you know, they always hold a special place in my heart. You know, I grew up in the association through the region division and being able to go to uh, the regions and to be able to connect in those spaces. uh, I was really my goal for a listening tour. Um, and to think about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion with the statements that have been approved um, by the board and, and through the work with the REI work group, and really just hearing and reflecting on what that means for us as an association, but then also being able to connect closely to what is really going on, right? What is really happening? Um, and still seeing old friends and meeting new ones and, and building relationships in those spaces. Are, are very critical. Uh, and that's why I love the energy of the region conferences. They're smaller. Um, you're able to um, connect differently and network differently in those events than you would be at annual conference per se. So it was just a really great opportunity to be able to do that. Yeah. And one of the things, and I think this probably connects to connecting uh, with others and and kind of being different in a way is that at these conferences, you've been doing what I call walk-up songs uh, when you would go up on stage in like the, in the larger ballroom. So what was the idea behind this? And, and, you know, people don't know that is that, you know, I think you've been meticulous in choosing these songs. So can you talk more about that? Yes. You know, that's what I love about you, Matt. So it's, you know, those things that you notice um, that bring energy into the space. And so when I, my first uh, region conference was region three, uh, I was in Knoxville and I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm speaking, it's in the evening. What can I do to kind of make sure that the, the crowd's got some energy going? And so the first song that I, I picked was Higher Ground by Stevie Wonder. And I really picked that song because it was he created during a tumultuous time, right? There was a lot of stuff going on in the 60s, you know, um, protesting, civil rights. People were you know, angry, trying to figure out how do we come together. And so when I, I thought about coming out to a song, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to come out to Stevie Wonder's Higher Ground, you know, like we're trying to get higher, you know, we're trying to move forward, you know, and put that energy in this space. And so the the, the um, audience responded very well, you know. And so then when I thought about my next keynote experience, it was in Norfolk. And so I thought, oh, I have to come out to Pharrell. You know, he is from Virginia Beach, you know, and so making sure that, you know, Virginia, two up, two down, you know, got some love. And so I specifically came out um, to that song. Um, And so when I got to um, Orange County, California, I was like, I've got to come out to California love. And so when I did that, the crowd was like, yes, who is she? Who is this woman coming to the stage? Uh, and so that's that's just been a really great energy as I think about uh, how, how I come out. And so in Region 7, when I was thinking Kansas and I was thinking, you know what, Texas is in Region 7. And so and I love Beyonce. You know, people often hear me joke about, you know, I channel her energy sometimes before I go on stage. And so um, coming out to Halo, which I thought was a love song to advisors. 
and the way that they the students think about them and how they support them through their journey. So my next keynote is um, it's going to be Region 6, Fargo, uh, North Dakota. So I will be thinking about what I'm going to come out there to and then when I'm in Albuquerque and then um, that's going to be Region 10 and then Region 8 is going to be uh, in Canada. So you're going to have to stay tuned, Matt, about what songs I decide to pick for there. And it's just been wonderful. And again, I've been honored for people to ask me to come speak and being able to just kind of kick off energy or or to bring thoughts and hearts and minds together if I'm um, speaking during lunch. So I just always look forward to those opportunities. Um, they're, they've been really special to be able to connect with people and for them to get to know me um, in this new capacity, in this new role. At the time of this recording, uh, soon you're going to be traveling to like Region 5's conference. And um, by the time this episode comes out, their conference will be like midway completed. So shout out to uh, Jamie Engel, the Region 5 chair yes. there, one of my good buddies. I'm and Indy. Yes. And then for this episode, you know, we're celebrating Global Advising Week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for those that are watching on the YouTube channel, we both have our Global Advising Week t-shirts. Yes. So hopefully others have theirs too. We'll be wearing it uh, next week. Yeah. For Global Advising Week. Now, for those who don't know, what is Global Advising Week? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Cracking the college admissions code just got easier. I'm Rebecca Gordon, your go-to fictional college admissions counselor for the rich and famous. Tune into The Admissions Game, Satire Edition, and uncover my top secrets for sure-fire Ivy League admission. Ditch the old Photoshop-your-face-onto-a-water-polo-hunk trick. We reveal all the latest loopholes. So laugh and learn with The Admissions Game wherever you podcast. So Global Advising Week is uh, Nakata's our opportunity to celebrate when we were incorporated. And so that gives us an opportunity to just, number one, reflect on the fact that, you know, we are in existence. Uh, but then more importantly, an opportunity to um, just highlight the work that we're doing on our campuses in terms of supporting students and student success and celebrating the field. Um, This year, we're looking at the idea of gratitude, right, and letting people know that we appreciate them and appreciate the work that they're doing on their respective campuses. Um, And then also that larger appreciation for the field, the body of work that's been created, the research, the scholarship, and then, of course, the networking and the connections that we have with each other in these spaces. And so being able to do that throughout the week, um, we have a a kudos board that's going to allow people to go in and share appreciation, share wonderful, warm thoughts, because sometimes we do need to be reminded that uh, I see you, you matter, you're important to me. And then also being able to share, you know, for example, we have um, the frames that you can post with pictures as people are celebrating on their respective campuses. Uh, as they're appreciating each other throughout the week. Uh, and then our podcast, of course, you know, we'll be able to kind of share our, our, you know, my, our thoughts about appreciation and gratitude around um, advisors that have um, meant something uh, in my life, definitely. And so we are just always looking forward to making sure that we take time to stop and reflect and and celebrate and show appreciation and gratitude to those who have made a difference to us. 
Yeah, I like the theme of gratitude, especially when you're talking about, you know, stop and reflect, because we're so much on this, like, go, 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 get one project done, go on to the next thing, go on to the next thing. And I know for a lot of us, it's summer and fall registration that's going on right now. And then right after that, it's like, really, is there a break? Because we're going right into orientation. And then once orientation is done, then we're going to the start of the fall semester. Fall semester. And then it's time for winter quarter or spring <laughs> registration after that. <laughs> And then maybe get a little bit of a break, but you're probably reviewing grades and then it's winter break and you're just tired and a lot of us are tired now. So I think having this is very motivating. And I think for you with this being, you know, this theme of gratitude being Global Advising Week, is there anyone that you'd like to, to shout out during this time? Oh, well, of course, definitely. When I think about um, in terms of gratitude, um, I know that you know, with the, with the podcast that we're doing, I definitely highlighted the person that, you know, helped introduce me to this profession, this field, um, Alicia Aroche. Uh, but, you know, I also think about my, my master's degree, um, graduate advisor, Dr. Carol Londoner. Um, and then of course my, uh, <laughs> my doctoral advisor, um, Jim Barber, um, at the college of William and Mary. And when I think about, um, professionally, though, how I've grown. Um, I've had so many people that have looked at me and said, you know, let me support you, whether through its mentoring or being an amazing sponsor. So a person who's speaking highly of you when you're not in the room. Um, so I'm always thinking about ways to always say thank you in those moments. I, I call it giving people their flowers. Uh, so um my um, well, my grandmother, my husband's grandmother, Bibi, would always say that, like, I want my flowers now, honey. You know, tell me thank you now. Don't wait till I'm gone and then speak highly of me. Um, but definitely the executive office. I'm so appreciative of all the hard work that they do to support the association, the board, the council, um, our Nakata leaders. Uh, my heart always goes out to people who are doing this great work, you know, volunteering their time, their energy, their hearts, their creativity, you know, all those things that um, make our association great. Um, and so that is just some of the shout outs that I have right now. What are your shout outs, Matt? I'm really interested. Who do you want to say thank you to? Yeah. So, that, and yeah, thank you for asking me that, you know, because when I reflect back on like my time in advising, like I've been advising now since 2013. I know for some people, they've been advising way longer than that. But for me, this is longer than I've been in any other position. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and I know there's a whole host of people I, I'll never forget having some sort of impact on my career, on my life. And I look at every experience as like this opportunity for growth and in and, and previous podcast episodes and even on and off the podcast, you know, I've talked highly about my boss at Mendoza. I've talked about Casey Self and Ben Hopper and Charlie Nutt as these influential people in my life. And you know, I've talked about it extensively. So, you know, when I kind of narrow it down, if I think about it in terms of like these last couple of years for the pandemic, um, there's like five individuals I think really stand out. One of them is Charlie Nutt. And, you know, Charlie's someone, you know, that even in his, you know, retirement or phase retirement, you know, continues to be one of the most supportive people uh, yes, in, for me, on, especially for this podcast. And, and I always remember, you know, he saw a video I posted in, on social media back in, uh, 2019. And then like, I met him a couple of times, but it was more like the hi, how are you? But never like we had a conversation. Right. And so when I was at the 2019 conference in Hawaii, like he comes up and he's like, 
Matt, I just had to see you. And you know, <laughs> proceeds to give me this big hug. And I'm like, this is Charlie freaking nut. Oh nut. my goodness. Yes. Yes. I just love and, how you did his yeah. voice right there. That that you can't talk about Charlie without doing some kind of southern draw, but you know, you're absolutely spot on, Matt. You know, yes, he's in phase retirement, but he his he's still very present. So that that's wonderful. Yeah, and he is like any anything I post, anything that you know, he, he'll check in on me. He'll you know like and and any idea I had was always go and do it. You know, of course, I'll have his Charlie you know volunteering uh, <laughs> suggestions, <laughs> but anything that I wanted to do, he was so supportive so and always has been. And yeah. you know, and it's that support and that love that comes out of him, and yeah. it's just so amazing. I would agree a hundred percent, Matt. He is very special uh, to me and like, uh, you know, coming into this role, right. You know, people are always like, Oh my God. Oh my God. But you know, it was Charlie because you just hit the nail on the head. This love just pours out of him. And, um, and he's still very present in my life as well. So I just love hearing you talk so, so wonderfully about him. Yeah. And of course I, you know, I talk about Charlie, but Another person that's been influential these past couple of years for me has been you, Melinda Anderson. Me? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and I will say I'm not where I am without you. And who knows that when we recorded for your video for the Emerging Leaders Program in 2019, that we'd be where we're at. <laughs> you know what, Matt? That is so true. You know, every time I'm on this show with you, I always say, Matt, you are amazing you're creative and I love your energy. And so uh, you pour into me um, the same way and you're absolutely right. We, you did interview me and I remember being like, this guy's amazing. Like what school is he? Where does he, I mean, you're, you're just so, um, you're so good with asking questions and making people feel so comfortable and being able to share their story. Uh, it's something that I definitely remember because I was terribly nervous. I was terribly nervous. I'm not, if anybody knows me, I'm the productions person. I'm not the anchor person, right? So, and you do such a great job with that. Well, I could not, and I, didn't, I didn't tell that, I could not tell if, that you were nervous. You just went and asked, the, I asked the questions and you answered them. And I was like, these are great answers. Right, because that was because of you. You do such a great job with people feeling comfortable. And I was just like, well, I'm just talking to Matt, right? You know, so, and then that's the magic, right? When people can just say, I'm looking at you and I'm not looking at the camera. And so yeah. that's a gift, my friend. Don't sleep on that. A lot of people can't do that. So I don't think I ever told you this. So when I posted that video on Facebook, um, I think I was in a hurry and I probably just saw Elizabeth City College. And so when I put, when I was typing in, oh, listen to this interview, instead of putting Melinda, I put Elizabeth Anderson. <laughs> And Lee Cunningham <laughs> sends me a message and thank goodness she did. And she was like, Hey, just to let you know, her name's Melinda. She worked at Elizabeth city. So can you, is there any way to update that? <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. I know. I never knew that. I never knew that. And I was like, I hope she never finds out. And now I just told on myself. <laughs> Yeah, no, I never knew that. But well, what look look at Lee coming in with the great saves, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyone could have easily put me on blast, like on a public post on that, you know. And she was quickly just sent me like this private message and was like, "Hey, you know, hey, take care of this, wink, wink." Like, okay, cool, oh, we'll do. <laughs> that's so that's great. That's great. But but I will so, say, Melinda, like you you have 
I think you just have such wonderful ideas. And, you know, and I see that a lot of them have been implemented within Nakata and the times that you've been on the pockets, especially I'll say specifically in December, end of December and in January, when you did your end of the year message and the start of the year message, I think it was filled with such positive emotion and things that advisors needed to hear, whether they're new or seasoned, especially in this just time that that we're in. And what I like is that you don't sugarcoat things, which I appreciate. And <laughs> and in ways, you have taught me how to communicate better, how to see the bigger picture. So a lot of times I'm very narrow and like seeing like the small things. And you're like, you know, sometimes you got to step out and kind of see where things are coming from. And so for that, I, I want to thank you. Oh, thank you, Matt. Oh, I'm getting ready to cry. <laughs> that is so sweet. I thank you so much. You know, I, but, you know, I love the way that you have such a, this space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this modality to be able to speak for people to speak their heart, right? And to speak their truth about what they're experiencing or um, the things that they want others to carry. And I just always think that you're brilliant for offering this space for us around advise, adventures and advising, because that's exactly what it is, right? You know, you talked about the cycle of, of work just keeps going, right? I remember advising maybe 15 years ago that there was some kind of a break And now I talk to people and they're like, there's no break at all. We run straight from commencement into orientation and then straight into the fall semester. And then you're, you know, looking at grades and dismissals and talking to parents and students. And, you know, we just we just do a lot. There's so much more on our plates now. And so I just love the energy that you allow people to have uh, on your podcast. And. I know that when people hear your voice, they're like, oh, Matt's getting ready to do something new and amazing. So when I think about Portland, I can't wait. You know, I know that you guys have some great things lined up for us um, in Portland for the annual conference. And so you being a part of that leadership and bringing that conference forward is just really exciting. If it's anything like Region 9, I I have to hold on tight because it it was a great time in Orange County. So I know it's going to be a great time in Portland, Oregon. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll do the a spoiler right now. If you're going to Portland, come to the session that Melinda and I are doing about the podcast or includes the podcast, but we have a great topic that we're going over. So more to come on that, but yes, yeah, get ready. And then the next person I like to shout out would be Ryan Sheckle uh, from Texas Tech University. And for him, like, who knew that one social media post in 2019 would generate like a friendship that I have with him and these constant collaborations? And and I think there's now a theme of 2019. It seems like everything that has happened with me. But you know, I've joked with Jamie Engel uh, that when Ryan speaks, like I feel like he's on a different level because his mind is always like he's always thinking of something. And a lot of times he'll be talking and I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I, he's up here and I'm just, I'm like, please talk to me in layman's terms and, and tell me what that means. But I'll just usually nod my head and then look it up later. Um, 
but he is someone that, you know, I hope he never gets tired of me, but I, I've learned so much from him and he's mm-hmm. just been very patient. Um, even when he has to put those concepts in layman's terms for me. But, you know, 2020 into 2021 was definitely a struggle for me uh, with a mm. lot of it related to the pandemic. And yeah. and it, and I think, you know, anytime I got to meet with Ryan, chat about pop culture, about uh, working on a presentation, he's helped me get through those things, not and not even knowing that. And oh, I think wow. some of the best work I've been able to produce has been working with him. And oh, so, like, wow. he is just, you know, someone that, you know, always will speak highly of them. Oh, that is so wonderful. Shout out, Brian, for being <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then someone else that we know is Sherry Souza. And Sherry was the Region 9 chair. Yes. And she's been someone who is instantly, I think, people gravitate towards. And I know I have, too. And I think it's just just her caring personality. And, you know, she's so humble. And yeah. And I think for her, like she always sees the good in people and the good in every situation. And so, you know, you know, I think for me, like even when I when I uh, ran for Region Nine chair, I didn't mm-hmm. originally put my name in the hat for that. Uh, she really? Yeah, oh, she, she nominated did. me, Aww. and I think because she knew I wouldn't do it, because a lot of times I have these confidence issues, and so she put my name in the hat, and I was like, okay, well, I guess now that it's there, I guess I have to move forward with it. So. I think she knew what she was doing and, and I'm glad that she did it. And yeah. she's definitely the best. And I so, was going to say, I'm glad yeah. she saw that in you. Sometimes, you know, when people see things in us we can't see in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Well, look at that. And you're doing a brilliant job. Brilliant job. I have big shoes to fill. I mean, she's done so much for Region 9 over these last couple of years. And even like now as a past chair is still doing a lot. Um in her role outside of higher ed, but still connected to higher ed. So, I mean, if there's anyone, you know, to emulate and be more like, it's definitely going to be Sherry. Sherry. <laughs> yeah. And the last person I want to shout out is uh, Kevin Thomas uh, from uh, University of Central Arkansas. Yeah. And, yeah. And someone else that, that, that we both know and definitely want to give gratitude uh, towards him because, you know, I think when people hear Kevin Thomas's name, I think they smile because he's yeah. such a down-to-earth, relatable person. <laughs> and a lot of people say, you know, give me a call or, you know, my door is always open or let's do lunch sometime. And, you know, sometimes they don't really mean it. But Kevin right. is one where he does. He like, does He mean says it. it. His word means everything. everything. And, and I think, like, Sherry, like, he's got this sixth sense about him. And so, like, um, when my partner and I had our flight canceled trying to leave uh, Cincinnati at the annual conference last year, he saw, like, we posted about it. He texted me and it was like, hey, I saw you posted about the flight. You know, sorry to hear that. Let's do dinner. Because, like, I think we both of us need to catch up. Aww. Not knowing that when we caught up, like, it was, like, probably two hours, which I feel bad for my partner because all we talked about was, like, Nakata and advising. <laughs> uh, but, but I think he knew that I needed to mm. to talk and needed to kind of, you know, think things through. And he gave so many, like, wonderful ideas but when I left that conversation, like I felt like the sense of calmness. Oh, you know, and I think that's what he does. It's like he's he can tell, and he and he's like, let's let's figure this out. Yeah, and you know that conversation we had, I think, was you know definitely made that trip even better. And so I just gotta say to thank you for to you and to everyone else, you know, um, who I just shouted out because 
thank you for being a friend. And I, you know, and that's something golden girls, you know, something I think I had to throw that in there for Charlie nut. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I just, I just love the flowers that you just gave, you know, I think for people to know the impact that they have on others just reminds them of how important they are. Uh, Even when you're having a bad day or, or a not so good day, you know, or when you're hard on yourself, you know, because, you know, things maybe not have turned out the way that you would have wanted them just to hear, you know, how somebody has impacted your life, I think always makes a a tremendous difference. You know, I often joke, you know, in keynotes about, you know, that one student that's in your mind that makes you smile or that one student that's like, oh my gosh, okay, I'm going to help you graduate, you know, either way, right. Whether it's good or for bad, you know, we want people to win. And so you want people to see your heart. Um, And so letting them know that you've seen it and the impact that it's had on you. Um, And again, I just have to joke you about Charlie's accent. Maybe we should have a contest about who can sound (laughs) like Charlie the best, you know, celebrating him, you know, soon as he, you know, he goes off into retirement, but he won't be far away from our hearts or our minds. Absolutely. Um, And then, you know, I do have to say, just talking about all this just reminds me of, you know, our Dean, you know, Dean Debbie Mercer, you know, at K-State. Uh, it's just such a tremendous support of the work that we're doing in the association. And she's just so giving. Um, and, and so I don't, I don't want to leave this podcast without letting her know how much we appreciate her and her support and um, our synergy with K-State when you think about our master's program and the PhD program uh, and their certificate that we have together. It's such a beautiful partnership. And so you know, these things, they come together for a reason, you know, Matt, we were supposed to meet yeah. and and connect that way and be in this space right now to be able to celebrate people that we know and love and our friends. Yeah, definitely. And, and yeah, and definitely shout out to, to Dean Mercer. I got to meet her once in, in December and it was a quick, quick conversation, but so, you know, heartwarming, you know, in terms of like, she just wants everyone to succeed and believe so much in advising and Nakata and like you instantly feel it. So um, look forward to getting to to chat with her again. Hopefully she'll get to go to Portland. She'll be in Portland. So she'll be there. So definitely. And then, and then continue with this gratitude, you know, we have, we're only doing one interview on this podcast and it's a special one. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to leave it to you. Tell tell the audience, tell listeners why this episode is important and why this is part of Global Advising Week. Yeah. So, you know, Matt, we have talked about gratitude and appreciation. And this particular interview that we had uh, was just so impactful on my undergraduate experience. You know, I, I've shared that I'm a first generation student, uh, went to Virginia Commonwealth University, right? So, when I entered that space, it just became so overwhelming, right? We always talk about that hidden curriculum. And my undergraduate academic advisor, Alicia Roche, is who we're interviewing because for me, she was just so critical in helping me navigate my undergraduate experience and then introducing me to the concept of academic advising in the profession You know, it was that moment that many of us might have had about, oh, advising, this is a thing, higher education, you can get a a master's degree in that. And she was just so instrumental in helping to guide me not only through my undergraduate, but into my graduate um, experience. 
and into the field. You know, uh, I've always wanted to share with her how important she was in my life. And and so I had an opportunity to be able to do that in this interview. Um, and so I thank you for, for allowing us to have that, that conversation. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get into that interview with Alicia Roche. We're actually kind of peeling back the onion on this episode with your background in higher ed. So take us back to Melinda as a first-gen student, as an undergrad. Sure. Thank you. And Matt, you're absolutely right. You know, oftentimes I do talk a little bit about the fact that I was a first-generation student. uh, And coming into Virginia Commonwealth University as an undergrad was a lot. You know, I considered myself to not really understand, right, when we talk about that hidden curriculum, Um, So my brother and my sister also went to school, but that's nothing like when you go and have to walk this path and and understanding, you know, the ins and outs and everything like that. Um, And I came in majoring in mass communications, you know, and like every student you go through and wonder, is this for you? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Um, Especially as you start taking a lot of other classes for general education and just understanding who you are as a student at the collegiate level. So... It was a lot to navigate and manage, um, but we are joined today with by a special guest. Um, I always knew her as uh, Miss uh, Marbury, and then she got married, so then it was Miss uh, Roche. So it's just so good to be able to see her. Um, and for all those who are listening, this is my undergraduate academic advisor when I was in uh, undergrad. Before we read Alicia's bio and welcome Alicia to the podcast, was it hard to find your undergrad advisor after all these years? <laughs> you know, actually, it, it was. I um, you know, the first thing that anybody does is you Google, right? And I was just like, I wonder if she's still at VCU and in what capacity. And so, you know, we had of course stayed in touch with each other, and then. Um, you know, as I went into my master's program and then moved into my doctorate, and then you lose touch with with people who have always touched your life. And so then I was like, I'm going to Google her. This would be great to be able to talk to her a little bit about, you know, um, you know, it, advising. And so then I started with Google and then it went to uh, LinkedIn and then it went to Facebook. And I was just like, oh, my God, I need to be able to find her. And then uh, finally, a really dear friend of mine, he was actually also a student of um, Alicia's, um, was like, I think I have her phone number. And so let's try this. And so then I called her and left a message. And I was just like, I hope she remembers who I am and calls me back. (laughs) And she did. And Alicia, when you got the voicemail from Melinda, what went through your mind? Well, first of all, um, I'm chuckling as you're recounting how difficult it was to find me because I I do try to go incognito sometimes. So I'm I'm impressed with you following up so many times. <laughs> so when I heard from Melinda, I just immediately said, "Oh my goodness, Melinda!" It was I was excited. She mentioned that she was back in Virginia and uh, I wanted to hear more about that. And, and she said to me, I hope you remember me. And I thought, Melinda, of course I remember you. (laughs) So, So it was just really sweet. And I was really excited to be able to catch up with her. It took us a few times. We played phone tag for a bit, but 
I was really excited to see what she was up to. Yeah. yeah. And I think based off of just, just really just based off that comment and Global Advising Week being about celebrating gratitude, I think this is the perfect interview for this. And so let's make it formal and let me go ahead and read your bio uh, because when I was reading it earlier before um, for, for this, like everything that, that you have done has been about helping others and whichever career path it is, it's about assisting, you know, the community. And I think this, again, connects very well with Global Advising Week. So Alicia Oroche has over 25 years of experience across multiple career paths, including community engagement, public health research, racial equity, justice and healing, communications, and storytelling. She currently serves as communications director at the National Healthy Start Association, an organization committed to addressing infant mortality and maternal mortality and morbidity and eliminating racial and ethnic disparities. Early in her career, she served in academia in various roles as administrator, instructor, and advisor to arts and communication students at Virginia Commonwealth University. And after this tenure, Alicia led a community-based participatory research team at the VCU Center on Society and Health as Senior Community Engagement Manager and served as Communications Manager and Community Engagement Advocate as the cross-sector cradle-to-career collaborative bridging Richmond. Alicia worked as the Director of Racial Justice and Healing at Initiatives of Change USA, as well as served as the Program Director for the Narrative Change Collaborative. Alicia's filmmaking work has earned awards such as the Best Animated Short Film, at the Atlanta Underground Film Festival in 2016 and the DiCalo Award for the Best Short Documentary in 2021. Alicia holds a Bachelor of Science in Mass Media and a Master's of Education from Virginia Commonwealth University. And since 2018, she has served as an international affiliate with the Concordia University Center on Oral History and Digital Storytelling in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. So Alicia, definitely uh, officially welcome to the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And that's my advisor, y'all. That <laughs> is amazing. Melinda's advisor. <laughs> <laughs> and and I know a lot of this interview, you know, will be focusing on like your time as an advisor and working with students and specifically working with Melinda. But I thought maybe we could start, Alicia, with finding out more about your work currently as communications director at the National Healthy Start Association and also your work as a filmmaker and producer. Yeah, so I'm, I'm listening to that bio. When you write it, it's one thing, but when you hear other people read it, you'll think, I'm thinking, wow, I've, I've done all that. <laughs> so right. thank you for verbalizing all of that, taking a moment here. So, so my role at National Healthy Start Association is relatively new. I've been there for six months, and so I am the communications director for the entire association. The work that we're doing in the entire association is specifically around infant mortality. There are, you know, cities around the country that have, um, you know, 5% or more infant mortality rate. And so there are 100 sites around the U.S. that have different services for those communities. So this organization is a support and represents those organizations uh, nationally as well as um, you know in the within the federal space. But then I also work as the communications director for uh, an initiative called AIM CCI. I'll just say that because the acronym is sometimes really difficult for me to remember some of the prepositions in that. But it is around 
focusing on uh, addressing the maternal mortality crisis. I don't know if people are aware, but there are disparities, particular racial disparities for particularly Black women, Black and Indigenous women um, who die giving birth is three times higher than any other racial or ethnic group. And so there is a program that we are working on that's doing multiple things. So one is um, coming up with educational series. One is around racial equity, for instance, that we just launched. Um, we're also doing something called a, a community-based care bundles. So they're basically uh, evidence-based strategies that people who touch um, a woman or birthing person at any time in their birthing journey um, go through to help reduce those, um, you know, ch chances of a woman uh, dying. Um, and most of those deaths are preventable. So these, these bundles are designed to help reduce those uh, deaths. So um, yeah, it's heavy work, <laughs> right. heavy, heavy, heavy work. So the communications role is new. Um, so I'm helping to build a communication strategy for, right from, you know, the ground up there, you know, there hasn't been this role in the association, I believe for a long while. I know that there has been an element of it, but not, um, you know, not as comprehensive. Um, we do have a small team. Uh, so it, it's a big job. It's a big job. We're, um, just getting started. I'm just getting started in this role. So um, yeah, it's an honor to be doing this work, but it, it's it's difficult work at times. Right, yeah. right. But so powerful uh, in terms of its importance um, to society and in terms of the, the work that you're doing. And I'm just, it's just wonderful to hear, you know, your commitment and in, in, in your heart about, and, you know, your roles, your capacities, you know, in terms of being able to lift up and help and continuing to help and support others. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, very powerful work that you're doing. And even kind of connected to that is like what you've done in filmmaking too and, and producing. And can you talk some more about uh, some of the work that you've done in filmmaking? Yeah, sure. So that work, I know you'll get to this question a little bit um, further in the conversation, but I became a my major was communications because I wanted to be a filmmaker. That's that was my dream and goal at the time. So to be doing it, you know, so many years later is really gratifying. And I think this is the right time for me to be doing that. And so that work was really inspired by the community-based research work I was doing, um, getting to meet people and hearing their stories and wanting to find ways to bring awareness to some of these issues. Again, a lot of them have been um, racial justice issues, um, issues around um, you know, sexual violence, those kind of things. And I, I just wanted to create space for that or help create space for that. But also as a, you know, someone who had a counseling background and, and spent a big part of my career listening to people, just sitting back and letting people tell their story, which which I've always learned and heard was 
is a healing process in itself. So, so I was able to com combine those interests and things that I care about in that work. And I've been really excited and proud at um, the accomplishments. And as you mentioned in the bio, you know, I got a chance to go to France in October at, to Cannes and won an award for the short documentary um, that we did. And then won um, another award for an animated short that um, that we did. So, yeah. So just um, being able to blend all those interests and transferring those skills, you know, all of that advisor type talk I'm saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and and you know you mentioned you know, like narratives and storytelling, which a, a lot is what this podcast is about. And then kind of like you're saying, like it, it's also kind of translates back to being an advisor. And I think maybe that's a great segue. And then we'll be able to kind of connect with Melinda's story. So Alicia, if you can talk about your path, your journey into higher ed, into academia. Yeah, I. I I appreciate having those questions ahead of time because these are things, of course, I haven't really thought about um, for some time. And so reflecting on that, the, you know, the question that I saw was, how did you become an academic advisor? And, and I'll say, and I don't know if this is common, but it was by accident. It was not something that I uh, aspired to be or choose to be. And, um, you know, Melinda, when you were talking about being a first generation student, you know, I think about one, that being an inspiration for me because of my own challenges, you know, not having an immediate family member who had gone through that process before. And first generation means so much. I reflect on what that meant. And for me, that meant coming from, you know, going, you know, going through my educational pipeline, being bused from one community to the other. Um, coming from parents who went to segregated schools um, and relatively recently in my childhood, <clears throat> learning to navigate this um, desegregated world. And, and that that was not always easy for them. And so they did the best they could in terms of, you know, working, working class, you know, middle class family, you know, doing the best we can. So we didn't always have those resources or even those conversations about going to college. And so when I decided to go to college, it was really a decision that I made on my own. It wasn't something that was expected or pushed upon me or nor were there resources. So so going being a student and struggling and um, not finishing school, the, you know, the traditional four years and, you know, starting out with a major that I was clearly not uh, prepared for, which was in the medical field, which is interesting <laughs> with the work I'm doing. Um, I, when I finished graduate and undergraduate school, undergraduate and graduate school, I didn't necessarily feel competitive for what I really wanted to do. So um, I did have a faculty member that, you know, reached out to me who felt like, you know, it was a great student and did good work. And she was opening a position in the communication school and she wanted me to um, apply and she, you know, wanted me to apply for that. And so that's how I received that job. And so when I started that work, all of that experience for me with those challenges of being a student and navigating all of that 
really what I felt on my own. And then not really seeing the, um, you know, the, the, the structures in place to support um, students with those kind of stories. Um, when I was, you know, coming through, um, I wanted to, so when I was in that role and I started to hear those stories, seeing myself and, and students and hearing those same stories, I had so much compassion and I wanted to be a, cha a champion for um, each and every student that came um, to me. And so that's what I set out to do as an advisor. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> and I can attest to that, um, you know, just being welcoming and understanding, you know, and not judging when people were lost or confused or concerned. And uh, one of the funniest things that I, I do remember that I, I sometimes use in my, my, one of my talks is the idea that you have to apply to graduate. But then I also remember talking to you about the, the grammar test. And I remember I was like, I, I'm trying to register for um, 203. And you're like, oh, you have to take the grammar test and you have to take a typing test. And I was like, what? And I was like, oh, it's today at four o'clock. So I run downstairs to take the grammar test and to do the typing test. And thank God I passed, you know, because people I heard that people would struggle with taking that over and over and over again. And I was able to register for the course. Then you get to the end of the program and you're like, what do you mean I have to apply to graduate? And it was like, oh, yeah, you've got to go to the registrar's office and apply. to. I mean, it's one of those things where. Thank goodness, you know, that I had you to help navigate and, and guide that. Um, and one of the biggest things that I often talk about is this idea of majors and careers aren't linear. And you helped me crystallize that in my um, experiences. Um, and so what advice would you give to students um, today when they're thinking about this idea of majors and careers not being linear? Because we, we're hearing so much about your background and, and, and the work that you've done and how it's evolved. And there's core themes that are still throughout your work. Um, so what advice would you, would you give to advisors who are working with students today about this idea of majors and careers not being linear? Right. Well, as you can see from my bio, I, I firmly believe that. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, you know, lean into the thing, encourage students to lean into the things that they're interested in, they care about. Uh, I, I can't tell you the number of students that would come in you know, they'd have a particular major and they'd have a very narrow vision of what that means. And for me, it would just be, I would say to advisors, be curious, ask questions and, and listen. And so those really exciting moments for me is when I would just be curious and ask questions that may not have really seemed like they mattered to the student, but by the end of the conversation or two or three you know, I, I would, you know, I'd, I'd plant seeds and say, you know, I heard you say that you were interested in this. Well, how about, you know, you know, how about you take this and connect it with that? So I really enjoyed helping um, students connect the dots. So I would say to advisors, you know, help help students connect the dots. Don't, you know, necessarily think about a linear path or a traditional path. Just listen to them. And then and it's kind of like the advice we, um, I, I say, or what I say to my, I have two kids. I say to my, my kids, um, I'm not raising you to be a kid. I'm raising you to be an adult. 
And so as an advisor, I would say, you know, advise them for the long term, not just the immediate um, mm. graduation, undergraduate um, period. So that's the advice I would offer. No, thank you for that. Because that is true. Um, you helped me identify that because of the courses we needed to take in mass comm, I was able to get a minor in business. And so just by taking three more classes. So I want to thank you for accounting. I want to thank you for finance. <laughs> I don't want to thank you for organizational behavior. Because when you think about the work that I do right now, um, you know, especially, you know, moving into administration, I'm just so thankful, right, that I, I had those classes in my background. And so some of those concepts weren't foreign to me. So, yeah, and I think a, a, a way to, to think about it, because you're talking about be curious and ask questions. Uh, we had a previous guest a couple episodes ago, uh, Casey Shaddix from University of Kentucky, and the phrase he used was uh, a caring curiosity. Mm. Uh, and I was like, oh, this exactly that that's exactly it. And it, and if I think like you're saying, like, even if the, the student might not think there are questions that, well, why are they asking me questions? It all makes sense because you're trying to gather as much information uh, from that student, kind of getting their narrative, their story out and then learning more about them. And I guess kind of connected to that. And Alicia, you kind of referenced this a little bit about when meeting with Melinda, but Melinda you know, what led you to Alicia as your advisor? Like, was Alicia your assigned advisor, someone that you then went to because you had questions about uh, a major? And, you know, when I think of myself as when I was a student, I had a hard time trusting uh, other people and, and who they are. Like, what was it about Alicia that you gravitated towards for that trust? And then, um, and then I guess, Alicia, you know, what can you share to us about Melinda as a student, as an undergrad? You know, I I really enjoy this question, Matt, because, you know, now that I'm in the field, you know, and I think about like advising models and structures and all this stuff, you know, my mind goes to that immediately. But no, I had an assigned faculty advisor. And uh, but what kept me coming back to Alicia was uh, just her warmth and her energy in her office you know, we would come in and we would be able to talk about everything, you know, for example, when I decided to pledge an organization and then who I was, you know, dating or, you know, issues that were going on with my friend groups, you know, and then her just being able to be like, okay, all right. Oh, so what's she going to do about that? Or I don't know if you should be doing all that or, you know what I mean? It was just another voice in your ear about what you need to do to be your best self, you know? And so I always, um, credit, you know, those moments in her office with, you know what, I'm glad I stopped here and had this conversation so that I can make sure that I am representing this, this the, my best self, right, that my mother had always raised me to be, and then it being confirmed also by another wonderful, amazing um, African-American woman who was like, no, you can do this, you know, but this is how you're going to get this done. And, um, and then I became a peer advisor, which is probably, you know, my first, you know, introduction to I just love curriculum and helping people figure out their classes. And so she was like, you should be a peer advisor, you know, so somebody recognizing talent in you, too, um, that also that energy also draws you in because people believe in you. They think that you're capable um, and they and they want to provide opportunities for you to continue to grow and think differently about um, your experiences at college, which we all know that engagement is really important when you think about a sense of belonging. And so she really helped me feel like I belonged. Wow. <laughs> I'm just taking in all of that, Melinda. That's pretty powerful. Thank you for saying that. And 
Yeah, and I and I certainly, you know, you don't do those things for the, uh, you know, compliments. And so to hear those things verbalized is it's really meaningful. So, like I said, when you called me, I'm I'm really touched and moved that you you uh, had that experience interacting with me. Of course, you are so welcome. And you know, when I think about gratitude and giving people their flowers. You know, for me, it was just so important that I find you to let you know um, that you made such a significant difference in in my life, definitely, but in so many countless others. And so wanting to make sure we take those that's this moment, especially with all so much going on in the world to let people know that you saw me and I appreciate um, your guidance and support. Thank you so much, Melinda. And I'm chuckling. I was chuckling when you said you had an assigned advisor and you didn't go to that person. And the funny thing is, there were a lot of students like that. <laughs> once <laughs> once uh, I, that relationship was built, no one wanted to go to their assigned advisor. So that meant, um, you know, there were a lot of students who, I remember those students who, they were a credit or so short of graduation mm-hmm. and they would come freaking out. Yes. And um, they my, my didn't tell me this and, you know, they, and <laughs> they would go to their advisor to get their application. And so at the time I had a little bit of pull. <laughs> so I, I could, I could suggest to the director, well, Hey, why don't we, you know, why don't we ask this faculty member to, you know, design an independent study or, hey, you missed doing an extra internship credit. Let's help you find an intern internship. You know, it wasn't getting out of a course, but it was being creative about how you might be able to help that student. You know, in some cases I couldn't help, but I could help um, lessen the impact if, if they saw that there was a path to finishing, if not that semester, the next semester over the summer. So, yeah, there are a lot of those students um, at the door. <laughs> and I'm sure it was, you know, you have your own caseload and then you have, you know, people that are other students that are finding you or hear from their friends. They're like, go to this advisor and then they're probably going to be able to help you out. But now it's also then time wise, you know, like there's only so much time in the day, you know, and that's even I guess when we look at education or advising now. Um, a lot has changed, but a lot has also stayed the same, same. you know, um, I guess for you, like, and I'm sure you've kind of, you know, kept your, you know, on the pulse of like how education might be nowadays, when you kind of look back with you as an advisor uh, to now with higher ed and, you know, we hear the term student success, you know, mm. what, are, what are your thoughts um, on hearing that term? Yeah, I saw that question and I'm still ruminating on it because I'm trying to understand what that means. I So my last student-centric, student-centered kind of job was probably in 2016. So I haven't been as um, plugged into that piece. But I, what I did remember is seeing a lot of different services kind of merge and it was all under the umbrella of student success. And so I I don't, and so that was a time when I saw people who were still doing the work being worried that um, things would be too 
too decentralized or too centralized and not as um, tailored for what the specific needs of the student would be. So that that was kind of my last memory of it. I don't know if that's the same, but I know that um, there was concerns of how things were just being kind of put in a in a university setting, kind of in a conglomerate of a department or a division. Um, yeah, and I know that's based on capacity as universities get larger and and um, yeah, so I don't know if my thoughts on that are very concrete <laughs> enough to include. <laughs> well, no, I mean, when you no, thank you for sharing because you're you're right as we think about like student success, right? this this new field, what does it mean? Um, and then how is it um, organized or how it's operationalized on particular campuses? You know, there is no standardization, right, in terms of what services need to be pulled together. And it really, you know, depends on how your organization um, structure is on your um, particular institution or campus. But, you know, when I think about student success um, broadly, when we think about its philosophy, you know, you've hit on the nail on the head already in terms of how you were oriented to your work. You know, how do I help this student now that they know that this requirement is missing? What are the things that we can do so that they don't have to spend an extra, you know, semester of tuition? And and so when we think about retention and persistence to the, the goal of completion, you were already oriented that way, right? Or when somebody asks you a question about, oh, what service do I need here? Or what about that? You already knew who to pick up the phone and talk to. And so that's a lot of what we're seeing is this this, um, combination of services coming together in order to create a more seamless process for students as they move through the institution. And so when I, and I talk to people and they're like, well, we always did that. So now they're calling what I always did this. It's it's kind of funny because it's kind of like, yes, you know, people are finally recognizing that you have these decentralized services but centralizing them in a way that you're supporting students and you're making the lift uh, or burden a little lighter on everybody's shoulders to help a student get through. And then what does student success look like, you know, um, in terms of student outcomes on particular campuses is a lot of where our work now um, is in terms of how do we support growth and development. And I always say to make the rough places smooth is how I always try to frame it when I think about student success on campuses. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I do remember that, Melinda, um, you know, having a student come in and say, you know, I know this is not your job, but I'm having the worst time getting through financial aid or mm-hmm. I'm having the hardest time getting through to this professor. What should I do? So I, I do remember uh, unpacking that, picking up a phone, walking over to an office with a student, you know, do, doing those kind of things. And like you said, at at that time, I knew I felt I know I felt I felt it myself, but I know a lot of students felt like there were too few and far between uh, advisors on campus that would would do that or had the capacity to do that or even the motivation to do that um, or, you know, making it easy for us to do that. So um Yeah, but I was lucky enough to have established relationships across different offices and disciplines that I I felt comfortable doing that. So, yeah. I think things like that, though, is probably what uh, Melinda, probably what what you got you to keep going back to Alicia as an advisor. 
Absolutely. I mean, when, when she said, I know this isn't your job, but I just started laughing to myself inside because I was like, absolutely. We, because eventually you get to a point where you're like, even if she, you know, even if Miss Marbury doesn't know, then she'll know who I need to talk to. Right. So, and which is, you know, what, when we think about our work or the philosophy that drives academic advising, sometimes it's like, I don't, oh, I don't know the answer, but I will find out, you know. Uh, and you never told me it was in the catalog, which is what I really, really super love about you. You were like, uh, that's in the catalog. No, you never said that. It was let me help. Let's let's walk through this. I know who you need to talk to, because I don't know if you remember. Everybody hated going to Founders Hall. Like it was where the registrar's office. No, like anytime it was like, oh, you got to go to Founders. Like, oh, no, I don't want to go to the oh my God, they're so mean. You know, it was, it was like, you know, that visceral reaction to like going to Founders Hall. And, um, and then, you know, when I I didn't, you know, to go get your financial aid refund check. Right. You know, so then it was like, oh no, you need to go over here in order to do that. I mean, nobody gives you those roadmaps. Right. But um, to help students without the sense of judgment or what are you doing? Or do you think you're going to make it? I mean, now we call it the sense of belonging, right? Like you belong here, you know? Um, And so after you stumble around a little bit and you feel like, okay, this is home, you know, that's the goal. That's really the goal. Yeah. And then even to Alicia, like with your career path and, and your journey, like, you know, we talked in the beginning about what you currently do. You talked about uh, being a filmmaker and producer. Uh, you know, now we've talked about higher your higher ed journey and being an advisor. And then you've also had roles as an administrator and instructor. But I guess what was the decision, you know, and the path going from higher ed to your new roles? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it was at some point, you know, I, I, I had done advising right out of undergraduate school. I, I felt like, you know, I didn't really give myself a chance to pursue what I wanted to pursue. I was here. I am giving all this great advice to other people and I'm not following it for myself. Um, so that that was the motivation to to kind of move move to a different direction use use those skills in different ways so that that's what was the that was the motivation for that no I hear that I, I do hear that practice what you preach so absolutely and just continue to excel and to do really well in in all those um, areas so kudos right for stepping out and taking that leap of faith that you've always told us to take. <laughs> And so it's just wonderful to see where you are today. Thank you. So, you know, one of the things that Matt asked me specifically, he was like, what what do you think she would say about you as an undergraduate student? So let's ask the question, what do you remember about me as an undergraduate student? And remember, my mama might be listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, as I said, when you called and asked, did I remember you? I, I just roll my eyes and thinking, of course, Melinda, I remember you because, you know, you were one of the bright spots of my day. You, when you would pop in, you know, even if I had a ton of things to do, you allowed me to take a pause and usually it was, oh, you would have me laughing so much. <laughs> Your sense of humor is just, beyond. And so I always remember feeling happy seeing you. 
And, um, but also seeing you happy, but also knowing how, you know, you really wanted to, to succeed and you were not getting what you um, needed. And, you know, I, I wanted to help, but your, your sense of humor, your, um, you know, your um, energy, your laugh, your smile, you know, that was what I remember and still see the, um, from that time with you. And, and, and if I don't remember, I'm still trying to remember, I'm going to bring up a mutual um, friend of ours. I don't remember if Bashan brought you or you brought Bashan. <laughs> <laughs> like you two were a package deal. <laughs> We were, you know, and I don't remember either because you're right. We would always, we would always come see you together, and um, and and we just had to, we had to go see our boo and um, bring some sunshine into your office. Now we should say, Bashan. Now I've lost track. Is he a director of admissions or was he director of recruitment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So he, he was another one of those students who you know, came in and, and look at how successful he is. So, um, yeah. yeah. And so we always, um, when we get together, especially, well, you know, these you know, alumni weekend is coming up um, next weekend. And so, you know, he was like, did you get your ticket? Are you going to go? And I'm like, Ugh, you know, but I probably will get my ticket and go. And just, it's always really good to kind of run into, you know, your, old, you know, schoolmates and, and talk and laugh about the times on that campus, you know, from, you know, cause we were both Greek. So, you know, fall block or what was it like hanging out in the commons? And, you know, I always credit a lot of um, the way that I see the world and in, in terms of growth and perspective, you know, VCU was such a, a highly diverse campus, you know, in terms of not just, you know, race or ethnicity, but, you know, adult learners being in my classroom to people retooling themselves. And and so I just always appreciated having that broad experience about what life looks like, you know, at my university and not this idea that it's a, you know, it's all 18 to 21 year olds kind of, you know, moving through, but then also having the on-campus lived experience and then moving off and, and that came with parking tickets and running around and trying to move your car. And so you will, you were just really supportive with that. But, you know, I, you know, there's this one pivotal moment that I know that I had with you that I just think was so powerful that I just, I just want to honor you, um, you know, and I was struggling with my, my internship experience and I came to you and I was just in tears and you went into action immediately and picked up that phone and helped me navigate that situation. And I tell everybody that my advisor saved my life because you did and helped me see that I should finish and continue to navigate and move forward. And then even when I finished school, you still helped me with my master's degree because I was just like, well, what is this? And you were like, you got to take GREs girl and you got to do this and you got to do that. And so for me, it's just the fact that you just kept giving and, um, and I do believe that, you know, I, I dedicated my dissertation to you uh, because I knew that I wouldn't have gotten to the level of even getting a doctorate if I didn't think I could have made through my undergraduate experience. And for you to offer your energy even beyond when I wasn't one of your students 
in terms of getting into my master's program, I just want to thank you and acknowledge how powerful you've been in my life. And I'm just so glad to be sitting here with Matt and having this interview with you because that's exactly why I'm in academic advising today is because you felt like my life mattered. And so I try to take that same energy into all my experiences with my students and then my staff and and my institution overall, because I know what it means for somebody to make a difference in your life. And every student should have that. So I just want to thank you. You're going to have me on YouTube crying. (laughs) I know I I got my tissues right over here because I was like, I know I'm going to talk about this and I just needed to know. Um, You know, and of course, I'm sure my mama was very excited about that because I'm sure if I called her to tell her that I wasn't going to finish school, she would have been like, "Uh, no, ma'am. And so, you know, it was it was just wonderful. And and Matt, I don't know if I shared this, but, you know, um, as um, after Alicia left um, the School of Mass Comm, um, they hired me to come into her position right after that. And let me tell you how many people came in and looking for uh, Miss Aroche. They were just like, uh, you're not Miss Aroche. You're not. Where's Alicia? Where's a-? And I was like, no, I knew, but I'm here to help you too. And they were like, oh no, I got to go find her. And it was so, it was so wonderful though, to, to be in her chair right after mm-hmm. her. Right. And I think about what that meant, you know, in terms of being as important as she was to me, trying to make sure that I am that for other students. And so, but it was just funny. The first couple of months, people would come in and be like, oh, oh. But for those students, you had to prove yourself because at right. had already set the bar so high so and high. They, they had an expectation. Yes. And even though you being new, it's like, mm-mm, you, mm-mm. you need to have all the right answers. I'm sorry, Linda. I'm sorry. I know how difficult that is. I've been in that situation in other spaces. And I remember, I remember you even reaching out just for advice. How am I? Supposed to navigate the student, not just the students, but the faculty. Oh, yes. Conversation. <laughs> yes, navigating faculty. Yes, you were very helpful in that regard. Uh, you know, it was my, you know, I, when you think about kind of the work you do as a staff member and then working with faculty and understanding faculty politics and dynamics. Yes, that was a very, that was, oh, you talk about a growing up moment. Because, you know, you see faculty one way and then you work with them and you may see them in, in other lenses. Um, and so just the politics of departmental politics. Wow. Yes, that was you were like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, what's going on? I mean, it, it was one of those moments where you're just like your eyes are like slammed wide open. Right. And then like the relationship building with other partners on campus, like you know, needing to know who's in the registrar's office and financial aid and, you know, if somebody needs tutoring services and, you know, a lot of our students struggle with that grammar and uh, typing test. And so how do you support somebody who can't keep persisting because they can't get into this one class? And so those conversations around curriculum, it was huge. It was huge. And um, when I think about that experience and then moving into student affairs, because eventually I did go into student activities from that. The idea of always being concerned about a student's academic progress, their experiences, how are you connecting with faculty? Are you going to class? I mean, that that was my heart when I went into student 
affairs, you know, um, so even in res life, I, my RAs, I was like, okay, let's talk about, you know, how are you coming along with your school and classes? And do you know about this curriculum thing? And they're like, no, my advisor didn't tell me. And I was like, oh, well, then you need to make sure you're doing this and you have to apply for graduation. Like it was, they were just kind of like, okay, like, are you in student affairs or your academic affairs? But my heart just became blended in that way because you can't do this work without thinking about where the whole student sits. And, um, and so it was, it's, it just ignited my passion to make sure that those elements always existed in every element of my work. So whether I was in res life or working at J. Sergeant Reynolds Community College or, you know, those two pieces about engagement, a sense of belonging and persistence um, with your academics and majors and careers aren't linear, um, were really the beginning of my advising philosophy. If I was to think about it that way. I need to meet your kids and be like, your mom's amazing. Oh, well, I I need to do the same for you and yours. Even though you have a, yours is already in college. Yes, I have a college student. Oh, yes, yes. And you know what, Matt? Alicia looks the exact same way. She just is. I'm telling you, it's crazy. I'm like, look, I'm like, this is my advisor, y'all. She looks amazing. She's beautiful. Like, I mean, everybody was like, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. And I was just like, oh my God. But because I just had a birthday yesterday. So oh, happy Happy birthday. birthday. (laughs) I don't even want to think about how long ago that was. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh my goodness. A different lifetime, but it also can feel like it was just yesterday, too. Oh, definitely. I, I said to Melinda, you know, I as my path has gone, you know, so many different directions. But that work and that time, you know, has to be the most, I would say, filmmaking and the storytelling work. Absolutely. But that period has been the most gratifying for me because. You know, Melinda, you know, found me, but I've had, and I don't know if it's a pandemic or what, but I've had actually quite a few students in the last, former students in the last two years, find me and just say to me, you know, I just want to tell you what a difference you made in my life and thinking, wow, this just out of the blue, you know, had a student from California, she had just had a baby and was at an ad agency and just wanted to let me know and you know, quite a, quite a few students um, and, and former students. And then I have uh, former students who I count as friends like Melinda. You know, we haven't been in touch, but we stayed. We remained friends. And um, so it, it's it was definitely um, an amazing experience for me, too. Well, some of the the some of your best friends or good friends are the ones that you don't see for years. And then you could pick up the phone and then it's almost like you just continue on where you left off. And it seems like this is one of those. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point, Matt. Yeah. And then even with this, like in terms of like with Melinda's story, with your story, Alicia, like Melinda is the executive director of a global advising organization of Nakata. And to think, you know, your impact on her in a way led to, you know, this path of being the Nakata executive director and still being in higher ed and in advising. And to think, 
where would Melinda's path have gone had, mm. let's say, she had stayed with her assigned advisor or didn't meet with you or didn't come back after graduation to ask you about grad school and potentially doing higher education later? So, uh, Melinda, I'll leave the, the last minute or two to you if you want anything you, you want to say before we end uh, this interview. You know, um, I mean, Matt, you brought that together so beautifully. I mean, absolutely. You know, I've said earlier that I, I credited my relationship with her in terms of sparking this passion that I had about helping others, especially in higher education settings. And when I think about what made the difference for me as a student and really trying to live what um, Alicia had put into us, you know, into all my roles in terms of how I was supporting students, it's just a very, for me, I feel like it's just a, a powerful tribute to others. When you say that you value and you appreciate and, and, and you care about how somebody has poured into you, it's, it's turning around and honoring them by by becoming that for somebody else. And so I just think that it's a really great point that you made about how, you know, who, what would have happened, right? If, if I hadn't went to her office that day um, and found that I could, you know, still make it through school and then realizing that she still cared about me. And, and, and I was, you know, I remember that moment when I was like, I could, I could go to get a master's degree in higher education and stay at the university. And she was like, Oh yeah, that's what my degree is in. And I was just like, Oh my God, like, you know, I'm an academic advisor. You can also do academic advising. This is what it looks like. And I mean, like she was the one that introduced all that to me. I was just like, she's an amazing person that I keep talking to in my department. Right. But you never think about that being a potential career path or, or, or profession. And so coming into this space and just wanting to make sure that, all students have the opportunity to connect with those who care deeply about their success um, holistically, right? Not just making sure that you register, but making sure that you are moving in the direction and becoming the best self that you are supposed to be in this world. That is what fuels my passion. And to just be able to share that with her today, especially as we go into Global Advising Week, as we're celebrating and acknowledging and by giving gratitude and celebrating our, our field and our profession, um, is I have no words except for the fact that I feel very blessed and honored to be in this situation um, and to be in this role for Nakata and to be able to represent our association proudly because I know firsthand how critical this work is to the success of our students. Yeah, and I know I said uh, the last word for you, Melinda, but actually based off that, Alicia, anything you, you wanted to add to finish this interview? Yeah, I'm I'm just still processing that this, this has been such a highlight um, to hear from you a few weeks ago, Melinda, and just, I, I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you, um, you know, just where you, where you have come from and what you're doing now. And I, I know you're making such an impact and we'll continue to do that. And, um, and just, just to hear you say that I was a small part of that. I'm just humble. Um, so I may need to ask you for a job one day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for creating this, you know, inviting me to this conversation. 
And I can't wait to share it with my kids. Uh, you know, I have a college-bound student in a couple years, so um, I'm going to let her listen and watch this. And 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 I'll, I'll say I, I know she will. She will not be surprised um, at some of these things because I hear some of that from her um, as a as a daughter and a mom. And um, yeah, so I, I just. I don't see that changing. So I, I told her, you, if, <laughs> I'm going to be your academic advisor if you don't have a good one. So don't worry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love it. It's like riding a bike. You know, you right. open that catalog, look at those gen eds and, and get yeah. to work. Uh. <laughs> well, the other phone, I will be one of those helicopter parents that they used. To, I don't know if that's the term still being used, but. Uh, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Like you, like I may turn into one of those. I don't know. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. You know, like and thank you again, Matt, for being able to provide such a platform for us to be able to share um, our narratives and our story today. Oh, it's It's been great hearing you both reminisce about the past and, and the impacts that both of you have had on one another. So I can't wait to get this edited and posted for Global Advising Week. So Alicia, Melinda, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Alicia. Thanks, Matt. Oh, how wonderful it was to listen to Melinda and Alicia talk about their time as student and advisor, respectively. A huge bond that was formed and is still present today. This is what advising is all about. And thank you so much, Alicia and Melinda, for being part of this special episode today. Truly appreciate it. And we have reached the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and gained some new insight and motivation in this advising profession. As always, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on social media pretty much everywhere at Advising Podcast and YouTube at Adventures in Advising. And if you want merch, check out our website, adventuresinadvising.com. Until next time, keep advising. <laughs>